G'day and welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. You can listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow and via podcast on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. Search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast and hit subscribe. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. Major podcast sponsor, NTI, nti.com.au. G'day all, it's another monster episode again for you this week. Mike spends some time with industry identity Ken Wilkie. A little later on, we hear from NTI's Adam Gibson as he shares some helpful information about truck modifications, plus all the latest news and more. But first, here's a riddle for you. What do you get when you cross funky rock and roll with foot stomping hillbilly country music? Answer? You get these Aussie music legends who describe themselves as bluegrass country music with 10,000 watts up its... Here's the Far Gone Beauties with Play That Country Music.
G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Ken Wilkie is an owner-driver from Queensland. He's been playing the game for a very long time. He's had quite a bit to say over the years, particularly an owner-driver with his column, Wilkie's Watch. I'm delighted that he's consented to come on the show and share his opinions with the listeners. How are you, Ken? I'm really good, and thank you for the invitation to come on the show. I tell people I've got a big mouth and, <laughs> and I like to have it open. But yes, I've been an owner-driver since 1974. And it's been a good industry for me, and I don't say this as a way of skiting, but I get the feeling sometimes that people think owner-drivers are running around with the arse out of their pants, and while there's plenty of people a lot richer than I in the world, I've managed to go around the world twice, once by plane, once by boat. I don't know how many other overseas trips we've had. I've been to Antarctica, I've been to the Arctic, been up the Amazon River as an owner-driver. So you don't have to have the arse out of your pants to be an owner-driver, so... That's sort of where I've come from. In addition, Mike, my dad was World War One. He was quite old when he and Mum married. Yep. And he was actually a stretcher bearer at the Battle of La Hamel. But one of the things I remember him saying, they talked about the red caps in those days, being high-ranking officers, mm. didn't really know what was going on at the front. And I was going to say, I believe. It's not, it's not a case of believing. I know that the managers and, and bureaucracy and politicians running this industry also don't know. And that's the reason that I made the K104 available to Rod Hennepin. I'm the only one in the world who's ever given a truck away. And it was done totally at my expense. And Rod and I shared a view that we need to get politicians and bureaucrats out on the road to see the road from our side of the white line. Yep. So that's what drove me. I was in a position to be able to do so. Since that time, I've become very disappointed that Rod's efforts haven't been recognised nearly as much as they should have been. And I'm guilty too because I could have nominated him for it. But if anyone should have an Order of an Australia Award for efforts to better road transport, Rod Hannafee should have done. Is it because he's a driver? I don't know. But the hierarchy of this industry really should hang their heads in shame because they failed to give him the accolades that he deserves. I could not agree more. Rod was on the first show that I did. He was one of the people that I've looked up to, and I'm now trying to emulate a little bit if I can and get the message out there. And, and you're dead right. Rod does deserve any recognition that comes his way. He's certainly done the hard yards, and you can't keep him down. He just keeps getting back up, doesn't he? Uh, he does, and he doesn't let his frustrations lessen his message or spoil his message. He, he's a very competent speaker, and he keeps his cool when speaking. Yeah, no, you're dead right on that. So fully aware you gave him that first truck, and now he's got the K200, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. And I've gone and bought another K104. I couldn't buy that one back. <laughs> I've got one that's even older now. I call it my project truck. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> I say to people, once you get into this industry that we're in, 
if you're not in there as a job, it gets under your skin. It's worse than bloody marijuana. You get in and you can't get out. I'm hearing what you're saying, mate. I've been doing it for a good while now, and it's a lifestyle. It's not a job. Yes, and it really saddens me that members of our industry are treated in such a despicable way mm. by the authorities. And the management of ATA too, we're definitely not taken on board to acknowledge the knowledge and the abilities that we have. Mm. And look, I'm not going to apologise to the ATA. I've been very critical of them for a long time for that. One of the last times I was very critical, I accepted $400,000, I understand, <laughs> for a road safety or driver education program. Yep. There's more positives in it than negatives, but how many people, the breadth of Australia, are going to get value out of that 400000 I put that 400000 into advocating to all politicians strongly that we need proper driving education in the secondary school industry. I think the 400000 would have been worth $4 million and how many lives. Yeah. You won't get an argument out of me. One of the biggest complaints I have about pretty much all of the organisations that represent us is that the driver you know, frontline worker contribution is probably not as good as it could be. Yes. And look, it's extremely hard. Like I was a lot more active years ago than I am now. I had a good contract. I was working direct for an organisation and they were very good to me and I was able to be a lot more active politically in the industry than I can be now. But... Another thing that I've done that no one seems to have picked up on, and this is while I was on the board of the Road Transport Forum, our kids were going through year 12 in secondary school, mm. and we hired Mount Cotton just for one day. Like the road safety trailer, you can't do enough with one day, mm. but we've got a boy and a girl. We did it when the boy went through, and then we did it again when the girl went through. And there were two things in my mind. One was hopefully to give the kids a bit of an insight into road safety and maybe save some lives. Mm. The second one was trying to get a message through to the board of the Road Transport Forum. If they picked up on pushing for proper road training, it would be a great boost to the image of the truck driving industry. Better still would save how many lives? Yeah. Like Queensland lost, well, I've forgotten the number this year, it's up appreciably to previous years. Most of these people who sit above us in the industry would have higher than secondary school education. Mm. And yet for an activity that you can't measure twice and cut once, you know, you've got to cut it right the first time, we can't see a need for proper education. It really frustrates me. Well, it frustrates the hell out of me too. I like to see more education of all our drivers, including the professionals. I've advocated several times for proper classes. I will give the ATA one lauded, I suppose, that Safe T360 vehicle that they've got running around now. But I think we could stand three or four of those running around showing the kids what to do and how things work and what it looks like from our point of view. Yeah, I would still like that effort put into having education every secondary school. I've often said it. I think truck drivers are probably in the main pretty good. We have a hiccup every once in a while. Mm. Like NTI's studies are repeatedly showing that when there's multiple vehicle accidents, it's very much more often than not the other vehicle to blame for causing the accident. We simply have to do a lot more to train people how to drive safely. And attitude's a big issue too, Mike. Maybe I've got too cynical in my old age, but I think we've become a nation of very selfish people. Yes. Going back to World War One, close on 10% of the population of that day offered their lives for this country. And in, in fact, my uncle went with my father and, and my uncle never came back. But they were prepared to do that for their country. A lot of people say they went for the challenge. Well, 
I don't accept that, particularly because my uncle went over there. Gallipoli had been with the 10,000 people killed then. Mm. So where's the challenge in going to do something like that? You've got to be driven by a higher ambition. But in this country today, the highest paid sector of the economy in general are the ones that don't produce anything, namely bureaucracy and politicians. Yeah, that's a can of worms we don't really have time for. (laughs) (laughs) And we'd be in furious agreement at the end of it, I'm fairly sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, leave it rest on my shoulders, Mike. I wouldn't like to see you uh, edit that out if it's at all possible. (laughs) No, 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 no. That'll stay in, mate. That's pretty right. Yeah. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Listen, I want to talk to you about some of these things that you've written so... You wrote a piece in Owner Driver in October 2019, an opinion piece, and it was called Money Makes the Wheels Go Round. And the thrust of it obviously was that where the money goes and where it doesn't go and some of the weird decisions that get made, and you mentioned in there the Gatton pad and how that you can take a road train down there now. If you're number seven, what are you supposed to do? And you've said turn the sign around and just keep trucking. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. how much longer is a road train going to be than, than the long vehicles that are that are legal to run right down to the wharf? That new Toowoomba bypass is made to get trucks out of Toowoomba. Mm. It hasn't been made for trucks. No, it hasn't. No. And, and I've had a person say to me, uh, in relation to Cunningham's Gap, he had a near-death experience mm. and he's blaming the road. But it goes back to driver competency. That's right. In big measure anyway. Not totally, but in big measure. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway. Well, I've had a couple of goes down that new bypass now and there aren't really any signs there that give you any sort of a clue how steep it is. No. And it'd be easy, particularly if you were driving an automatic, you know, on a dozy morning when you're just sort of coming down there and you're thinking to yourself, hmm... It's all good and it's a bit hazy and you can't really judge the decline and all the rest of it. Think, oh, gee, she's starting to run away. And, of course, by the time that's happened, it's a bit late, isn't it? It most certainly can be. And, look, Mike, I've got to acknowledge my ignorance. I've driven one automatic and that was a bobtail before I bought my EGR Western Star. Mm. It was a sterling with an EGR in it. But I really don't know how to drive an automatic. And, look, if the bloody thing got away from you and you ran into the, well, there's two gravel traps, one's at the bottom of the first one and one's at the bottom of the next one, I think, pretty much. Mm. If you lost it up the top of either of those pools and you went into the gravel trap, the city of Brisbane would be peppered by gravel, wouldn't it? (laughs) I reckon it would be peppered by more than gravel, mate. (laughs) It's about then when, as my colleague Andy said to me there the other day, it's about then when you discover the colour of adrenaline is brown. Oh, yes, yeah, good way of putting it. It is. So we're talking about some of the short-sighted decisions these guys make. Take the road train down the new bypass and pull up at the pads there. What do you do if you're number seven? You know, I mean, you really don't have much choice, do you? You're sort of stuck there. You can't sort of block other blokes' trailers in. No. You've got no ESP. There's no way for you to find out what's going on there before you get there. No. You know, and, you, and you end up collateral damage if you get caught by the wrong bloke going down Ipswich Motorway with the bloody wrong trailer. You know, it's... you're just irresponsible, aren't you? Like there's no oh. there's no consideration about the difficulties you've had with complying in some ignorant person's requirements. Yeah. And what happens, Mike, if you pull up on that unhooking pad mm. and you're number six? There's room for your trailer. Yeah. Usually, one of the first things we truckies do when we stop is take the pressure off the body a bit, don't we? Indeed, indeed, yeah. So where can you do that without fouling the place? There is nowhere. 
No. That's another problem. I mean, Rod and I had a long, long chat about the national standard requirement for rest areas and facilities and things like that. And we get shortchanged in every way on that. Oh, absolutely. And that's sort of once again another area we could open that can of worms and spend an hour on that. No problem at all. Yes. We'll be back for the rest of this great chat right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. So we just talked about the times when you can get led into a circumstance where you end up collateral damage with a massive fine. And that sort of leads me on to another article that you wrote a long while ago, now 2016, in Owner Driver, where you talked about provisional driver getting fined $700. He was under the influence of drugs with a younger sibling on board and unlicensed and all that sort of stuff, $700. And a professional truck driver who appeared in the court in Kempsey in New South Wales was fined $5,512. And he was silly enough to remove a page out of his logbook after he spilled food on it. Mm. And that example sort of sums up. I often watch the news and I see the fine that someone's got and know the fine some of my uh, colleagues have got for different things. It just make me shake my head. It's ridiculous. It really is a disgrace. At long last, we're recognised as a professional industry. You and I have known that since day dot. Mm. People would say of that truck driver, what a silly thing to do, but mm. what did he do that was really so bad? Mm. It amazes me. And the young person who was fined for the drug situation, I know his mum. This is not a grapevine story. This is one that she related to me at the time. Yeah. And, and the other one, it was genuine too. Like, it's, it's just a disgrace. And industry management's always whinging about, and, and I use the word whinging on purpose, mm. they're always whinging that they can't get good truck drivers. Well, why would any father want their son to get into this industry and be treated like that? Yep. I can think of several instances straight off the bat where I know personally know drivers with thousands of dollars worth of fines. I mean, $650 for operating a PM2 vehicle inappropriately because he didn't have a long vehicle sign turned around on the back of the trailer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. good God. That just leaves me speechless that these sort of things can happen. I don't see the fairness in it. No. And the worst part about it is it's a double penalty because as far as I'm concerned, now we're just out there, all of us, doesn't matter whether we're black, white or brindle coloured, we're all out there just trying to put a feed on the table and put a roof over mum's head and the kids and send the kids to school. And if we go and get a fine like that, then it's half a week's wages gone, but it's also the mortgage not paid, the food bill not paid, the kids' school excursion that you can't pay for now, the, the shoes, the clothes, whatever it is. 
it's just a double whammy for something that really should just be a warning. You know, pull over, driver, turn your signs around, make sure you're compliant, have a bit of a quick look at him and on your way. Yeah. Another aspect of that, Mike, is the average bloody motorist doesn't know what they mean anyway. Well, that's right. <laughs> like these bloody pocket road trains, they're a long vehicle. Yeah. Is Johnny school teacher going to know that that's a long vehicle and not a road train? Like, what the? F- yeah. <laughs> and these days I'm doing a lot of overdimensional stuff. Yeah. The double standards, it's a couple of months ago now, I was coming down from Townsville and I was 3.4 metres wide and I think combination, it was a single trailer, but with the load and the prime mover, I was up around 23 metres long and the, the proper information is pretty hard to come by but there's supposed to be a curfew in southeast queensland yep. from 10 o'clock of a saturday hmm. now i hit gimpy about 11 o'clock of a saturday did they really expect me to stay in gimpy until monday morning hmm. like it's virtually four lanes the whole way down uh, i would have had three kilometers of like one lane each way before i got to my home where i could get it in off the road until monday morning hmm. But I don't know what the fine for that. Well, I'm assuming it would be $600 mm. had someone seen me and decided that I was going to get a smack on the wrist. Yeah. It's more of a hit on the fingernail with a hammer than a smack on the wrist, isn't it? It is, it is. But my big bone of contention these days is with an active vehicle regulator. I don't like to bag them personally, but, but the organisation was set up to unify the regulations in Australia. Mm. And if anything, these days they're making it more complicated. Like we're talking about long vehicles and road trains, essentially the same thing. You will take two or three feet or four feet or whatever the difference is in the length. Yeah. But I've got a mate who likes to run into West Australia occasionally and he's got to jump through heaps of hoops to get into West Australia. Like, are we one country or not? No. When's the ATA going to start talking about, is it Section 92, free trade between states? I think it is, yeah. It's uh, it, it's a bit of a worry, isn't it? It is a worry. Leads me beautifully into the last subject that I wanted to discuss with you. <laughs> logbooks, mate. <laughs> and the pragmatic electronic logbooks and the pragmatic WA laws that they have over there compared to what we do here. And the big thing, in the news last week, we've now got four separate e-log systems that are being authorised by the NHVR. I know of one case where one driver, which I have from a friend of mine in the NRFA, explained to me he was talking to a driver for a company who shall remain nameless who wanted to have his e-log system and that doesn't comply with what they're doing, so he couldn't have one of his own choosing. He's got to go with their situation. But the portability now... We've got to keep 28 days of records in the truck with us. If you've got an e-log system that is different from someone else's, how the hell are we going to have all the records? Mm. They're creating rods for everyone's back. I mean, if we have an e-log system, for Christ's sake, why not just have one? I appreciate that that might seem a monopoly, but we've only got one logbook now, you know? Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I don't mean to butt in on you. There you go. I totally agree with you, and... I've said for a long time, I don't have a problem with electronic logbooks. I have a problem with the bloody regulations that they're governing. Is that the right way to put it? Yeah. So I can't see any reason why 10 companies can't be monitoring (laughs) what you do, providing the bloody, you know. But before this electronic stuff came in, we at National Road Freighters, dozens of spent a good part of a Sunday morning talking about this sort of thing. And I think we devised a pretty sensible thing. Mm. But that board's changed and the new one's not driven in the same direction. 
that proposal that we put up or, or position, the bureaucracy told us to call it the position. It's not a proposal, it's a position. Mm. Uh, it's, it's just fallen under the table. And, and look, there's a bloody lot of effort went into that, effort from people with decades of experience in the industry. Yeah. I've been running an, uh, an electronic logbook now for about three years. It is one of the ones that's now approved the system that we've been using, but the company that I work for has been using it simply as a monitoring device to make it a little bit easier on them in the office as far as keeping track of our compliance goes. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite happy with the system the way it works. But having said that, it gets a little bit prescriptive sometimes. Last week, I had to pull up 15 minutes from home and have a 15-minute break because I wasn't going to have time to get home. Yeah. What difference does it make? If I just sit there and twiddle my thumbs for 15 minutes, am I now not fatigued? Yeah. It's diabolically crazy the way it works. And I was going to ask you, mm. because you're working under an electronic system, mm. does that ease your fatigue? Does it make the managing of, of your <laughs> fatigue any easier? No, 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 not at all, no. And that's where it's all falling down. Mm. Like You talk about sitting there for 15 minutes. I remember many moons ago, Don Lane was Transport Minister in Queensland, and, and that's how long I've been rabbiting on. Yeah. And, and when you consider how much I've achieved, well, I have been rabbiting on. But in a correspondence I had with Don Lane, in those days we had to sit down for 10 hours. Mm. And I said, what do you want me to do if I'm sitting down for 10 hours at Marlborough? Mm. End up waking up and throwing stones at passing cars to easy autumn? <laughs> you know, like if you're going to pull up, it's got to be productive. And pulling up 15 minutes before you get home is definitely not productive. No, just frustrating. And I'm not casting aspersions on your attitude, but mm. if someone's a bit shaky attitude-wise and they've sat there for 15 minutes, they're not going to be a better driver for it. They'll be worse, if anything. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. You put it into gear and you do give it a, a big bit of welly and take off down the road, you know. Yeah, and slam her into the next one. And... Yeah, yeah, you can get through those 18 pretty quick sometimes. Yes. As you say... Yeah, I find it sometimes a little bit counterintuitive the way we do things. Oh, definitely. And I've had quite a bit to say about it in print and otherwise over the years. Mate, you and I are on the same page in a lot of places. I just appreciate having you have the time to come on and join us on the show and have a bit to say, and I look forward to having you back down the track. We'll uh, go into something in a little bit more detail, get a little bit granular on something. You can choose the subject. Providing, Mike, from what I've said this time, I don't end up upside down in a water table somewhere. No, that's right. (laughs) You and me both, mate. (laughs) Thanks, Ken. Thanks for coming on the show, mate. Oh, thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks very much. Good on you. Bye. Hey, everyone. Kermie here. Hope you're travelling well, staying safe and on the right side of the white line, by which, of course, I mean the left. I also hope you're tuning in to the On The Road podcasts with Mike and Andy, because if you're not, two things will happen. One, you'll be missing out on some great interviews, a good few laughs, and what's generally going on out there in truckland. Uh, what's the other thing? Ah, that's it. You won't have heard this plug for On The Road. Hmm. Okay then, so, those of you who are already on here, go and tell your mates about On The Road. They can find it on Spotify or iTunes at On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. But you knew that, didn't you? Because you're already... Yeah, look, just go and sell them, okay? Cheers, and take care of you. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au, and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you.
G'day, I'm Darren. I'm listening to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, find out how Seeing Machines Guardian can safeguard your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers. Visit www.seeingmachines.com Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. He's witty, he always has an opinion to offer and he's the trucking nurse with his finger on the pulse of the Aussie road transport industry. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the right honourable Mike Williams. G'day Mike. (laughs) Unreal. Yeah, good day, mate. How are you? You're doing good, buddy. That's original. It is. Listen, before we get into the news proper, Mm. I'm led to believe we have some breaking news in Tassie. Well, we do. They've had a bit of a win down there. We talked about the rest areas down there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And they're going to spend $5 million on the rest areas. They're going to be completed by the end of 2021. There's going to be several rest areas that are going to be upgraded to national standards, which as a side issue I find to be mildly amusing because as far as I'm aware, there is no national standard. But anyway. (laughs) I was wondering about that. No, no, no they, they're saying that they're going to upgrade them to national standards, so maybe Rod Hannafy can be down there supervising them. Yep. Deputy Premier Jeremy Rockliffe has kicked it off with a $22,000 donation. Everyone's stoked. Everyone's excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. Bit of movement on the rest area front in Tasmania. Excellent. Slipping subtly into our actual first news item for this week, mate. Okay. It's been said that Victoria's health advice and permit system encourages unsafe driving. That's a big call. (laughs) It is a big call, mate. We made it last week. Yeah. I'm so pleased that we're not the only ones that feel the same way. The Australian Long Distance Road Transport Association's National President, Scott MacDonald, said that drivers can plan safe journeys and rest when necessary and remain COVID safe. Well, I'm pleased to hear it. Professional truck drivers have been doing it for ages. We've been doing it throughout the whole pandemic, going all over the country, Mm. planning our trips and being COVID safe. Now, it seems to have just dawned on some people that New South Wales is a pretty big state. (laughs) And to drive from Queensland to Victoria in a car for your average person that doesn't normally do this sort of thing is a little bit of a challenge and perhaps more than two 15-minute breaks are required. So... I am delighted that someone in the Victorian government has decided that they're going to refocus some public messages and resources around how to be COVID safe and not compromising road safety. Mm-hmm. A little bit like everything else that's happened with this COVID thing in the border lockdowns, the horse has already bolted. Yeah. We'll try and fix the problem now. Mm-hmm. So I wish they'd thought about this sort of stuff before they closed the gate. Yeah. What did you say his name was? McDonald. McDonald. Does he have a farm? I know a joke about farms and Arnold McDonald and what yeah. noises you heard on the farm. And Good. You can tell me that when we get off air. <laughs> I might. Mike, a Sydney truckie reckons that the industry's superannuation system is a bit of a rort. Yes. Well, it is a little bit of a rort when you think about it. Now, this bloke has had a bit of a check of his pay slips and he's discovered that he hasn't been actually paid his super. So the point that I want to make is you know, everyone should go and have a read of this story. What happens to this guy has happened to so many blokes in the transport industry over the years, I've lost count. Mm. I mean, if we got Trevor Warner on, he would make the air blue, I think, with the amount of guys that he knows that have somewhere or another had money, in effect, 
stolen from them by people they work for. So go and read the story for yourself on the Big Rigs website. But the key message out of this is have a look at the super, have a look at what you're supposed to be paid, check up with your superannuation provider that you're with, whether it's TWU or some other one, make sure that it's actually been paid. They can tell you all that. All it takes is a phone call. It's too late to try and chase it up two years down the track. You've got to do it now. Yeah. And our old mate Adam Gibson, NTI's National Transport and Logistics Risk Engineer, is calling for more industry collaboration in 2021 to arrest the disturbing rise in truckie fatalities in the last 12 months. I was actually just having a talk with Adam a little while ago about all these numbers and he did tell me that the numbers are a little bit over 12 months old. So he's going to try and update those numbers. He's been jumping up and down about this for ages. Mm. I've had him on the phone bending my ear about it for hours. As he says, we've had a bit of a spike last year in the number of truck drivers that have had their lives taken as a result of doing their job. Mm. 34 has been the national average. Now, Everyone agrees that 34 is too many, and as Adam says, and I agree with him, this has simply been regarded as a cost of doing business. And I think that if we regarded the loss of, I don't know, 34 policemen, 34 nurses, 34 teachers, maybe 34 politicians, Mm. maybe that would make some people happy. I don't know. Mm. But 34 people losing their lives every year as a cost of their work is too much. Yeah. The short story of it is that we've had a bit of a spike last year. Adam's going to get the current numbers and get back to us, and it's going to be perhaps something to talk about down the track. Yeah. You know, I love it when you say the short story is because I know it's guaranteed another 10 minutes to go from there. (laughs) Folks, stay tuned. We will be actually chatting with Adam about truck modifications in our Something to Talk About segment coming up next. In the meantime, Gaisuzu have recalled quite a large number of trucks. What's that about? They sure have 8,023 affected vehicles have been recalled because they've not been fitted with the appropriate side reflector markings and there is some danger of side impact on the road. Mm. Now, one has to wonder how they managed to get registered if they weren't compliant. But anyway, there's a great long list there of vehicles that are affected. Go to the Big Rigs website, have a look at the story, and you can click on the link and you can see if your vehicle identification number is on the list and you can call Isuzu Customer Care and they will be able to help you out. It's those little trucks, you know, the little, what do they call them, a trade pack, I think they call them. Mm, mm. The markings that have got on them now fall outside the Australian design rules and so they just need to rectify that. Yeah. That's all there is. Mighty little trucks they are. They are mighty little trucks. Mm. Apparently you can fit three big sumo wrestlers. That, were they the ones that you could fit the three big sumo wrestlers across oh, no, the seat? No. Yeah, that's the one that sort of springs to mind. I'm like, I, it's an image that stays, it yes. It does. Yeah. Three sumo wrestlers, it'd be hot and sweaty, wouldn't it? Oh, wouldn't it? What? Mm. Mike, as always, it's been an absolute pressure speaking with you. <laughs> pressure. Good on you, mate. I look forward to catching up shortly. <laughs> right, mate. We'll see you on the road. Cheers, big fella. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Today we're talking truck modifications with our resident expert Adam Gibson from NTI and we're looking at it from the point of view of a truck engineer. Adam, how are you doing? Really well, Andy. Thanks for having me on. 
I'm not an expert on trucks. I'm more one of those young fellas, well, I was, one of those young fellas who was never happy with his vehicle the way it was and always had to think of some way of modifying it to put my stamp on it. From a truck engineering point of view, how does that relate across to trucks? Australia is a land of custom trucks. A few international manufacturers have really learnt that to their peril. That We like, as with your car example, to make the truck our own or to modify it to be even better at a particular freight task. It's not universal, but it's extremely common to see heavy vehicles modified from their as-built condition. Right. There's a number of things, however, that people need to keep in mind while they're, they're doing that. Before I became a safety researcher, I was a heavy vehicle consulting engineer. Mm -hmm. The first thing I'd tell so that people need to know is, hey, did you know it's actually an offence punishable by a $3,000 fine to modify that vehicle? Surprises roughly 100% of people when I tell them that. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I know of zero people that have ever been prosecuted for it, mm. so it's more of a theoretical risk than a reality. But, yeah, worth considering. I like knowing when I'm a criminal. <laughs> it's actually an offence to modify a heavy vehicle in Australia under the heavy vehicle national law. Section 85 says a person must not modify a heavy vehicle unless the modification has been approved by other sections. And similarly, it's an offence to use or permit to be used a heavy vehicle that has been modified unless it's been approved. Okay. Long story short, those approvals point you towards a package of documents known as Vehicle Standards Bulletin 6 or VSB 6, and they tell you what modifications are allowed, what approvals and who can approve them, and certain rules around how they can be done in a safe and compliant manner. Okay. Looking beyond that, though, VSB 6 is a good start, but it's not everything. The first thing I would encourage people to do if they're looking at modifying their trucks is to engage with the original manufacturer, particularly for the trucks, also for trailers, though. There's generally no one better place to advise on those modifications than the people who made that equipment originally. Mm. And a real credit to the truck manufacturers, the quality of bodybuilders' guides and the supporting material that the manufacturers release has just improved out of sight over the last 10 or 15 years. It used to be quite challenging at times to get good information around what the manufacturers would allow you to do and how they wanted you to do it, whereas now lots of those guides are of extremely high quality. Mm. The next thing I would encourage is for people to seek the right partners and advice. Just because your next-door neighbour, Bruce, tells you that he can weld, when he starts rolling out that 50-year-old stick welder and blowing <laughs> the dust off the top of it and everything you can see looks like it was held together with rusty bird poo, mm. then he's probably not the right person to be helping you with the chassis rail extension or other modifications. Depending on the complexity of the modifications, some simple modifications you can just do without any approval whatsoever. Most modifications at least need to be approved by approved vehicle examiner. And then for some more complex modifications or those that impact on critical systems, they'll need to be essentially designed by an engineer and then certified by an approved vehicle examiner. So there's a bit more of a process there. But VSB6 is pretty well structured to help talk you through that. And there's a number of specialist heavy vehicle engineering consultancies that can help you. Mm. Before we wrap up, though, I have to have a bit of a rant about some of my absolute pet hates, heavy vehicle modification. Okay. My single biggest pet hate is sharp transitions. You see uh, subframes mounted on rigid trucks where you know, it might be a bit of 100 by 100 box and it's had the end drop sawed off and a bit of 12 mil plate welded on. And the whole weight of the front of that body is sitting on that rock hard MIG weld resting on the top flange of the chassis. 
that is just a recipe for a cracked chassis down the line. Mm. Everything in chassis design and modifications is about smooth transitions. Have a look at a well-designed, like a, particularly like a heavy float or low loader, and you'll see lots of curves, lots of gussets, lots of progressive transitions. That is what good practice looks like that it's so common to see where a vehicle has had a chassis or a subframe failure that it's failed at exactly the point where someone drops on something off, did a bad butt weld, have a think about the flow of stress. That is my absolute number one hate. Mm. A little bit of time there to blend something out, to put a tapered end, to put a curve, probably doubles or triples the lifespan of those vehicles. Great advice. So speaking with Adam Gibson regarding truck modifications, Next week we plan to continue this particular conversation and we'll be talking truck modifications again but looking at it from the point of view of a road safety researcher so be sure to join us next week. Adam, thank you very much for your time today. Much appreciated. Fantastic, Eddie. Thank you very much. Well, that brings us to the end of another On The Road show. We hope you enjoyed it. On the Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. For all your transport insurance needs, visit the website at nti.com.au. For more On the Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, offer suggestions, or just let us know what's on your mind, send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode On The Road. In the meantime, play nice with each other, and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech, and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions. 